Good evening and welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for being here with us. Today being a Thursday, we bring you our woman feature as we focus on part two of Diaconate of Women, that is with Notando Hadebe. That will be followed by Supreme Divas, and then we take a look at Sports Women in Rio de Janeiro 2016. But before that, we bring you the news headlines, and that will be done by Mahadi Butelezi, who's on standby. Bringing you your news headlines from Africa and beyond the church and the UN SACPC plenary underway in Botswana and Africa Conference on Families to be held in Kenya. Good evening, I'm Mahari Butelezi. The World Congress of Families, in partnership with the Kenya Conference of Catholic Bishops, is currently organizing the African Regional Conference on Families, expected to take place between the 22nd and 24th September 2016 in Nairobi, Kenya. The conference will be a platform to celebrate the African family, deliberate on what is currently ailing African families, as well as to be an opportunity for participants to look for ways forward. President of the Africa Organization for Families, Anne Kiyoko, says that her organization is concerned by the recent concerted push for the legalization of abortion and implementation of controversial comprehensive sexuality education in schools. The Southern African Catholic Bishops Conference 2016 has officially initiated in Khaburoni, Botswana. It was officially opened by the celebration of the Holy Mass at the Cathedral of Christ the King in Botswana on Wednesday evening. The Holy Mass was attended by the bishops of SACBC, different dignitaries, and the people of God. His Lordship, Bishop Valentin Zamasiani of the Diocese of Khaburoni and the second vice president of SACBC, led the opening ceremony. And this he was assisted by His Grace Archbishop Brislin, the president of the SACBC, and His Lordship, Bishop Frank of Francistown, Botswana. The plenary will be focusing on different issues affecting the SACBC. The Catholic Church has often tried to engage with the UN on the issue of families, the protection of the family, and the issue of same-sex marriage. Permanent delegate of the Dominican Order to the United Nations, Father Mike Deeb, OP, explains. The UN gets very polarized whenever the discussion about the family comes because you find some groups who are trying to protect or calling for the protection of the family, and that is mostly centered around the issue about um, marriage between a man and a woman, etc. And there are other groups that are saying, look, we've got to be promoting same-sex marriages and we've got to get beyond the form of discrimination, especially around the homosexuals, etc. And of course, that's a very delicate and difficult topic and there's no agreement on it. And you find often the, the biggest proponents of trying to challenge or challenge this idea of or promote the idea of protection of the family 
are the very conservative uh, Islamic states who are one who just retain family values, they call them, but uh, we know that that means strong patriarchal values, etc., etc. And uh, the church often is in alliance with, with them, but, uh, but it becomes a very, I would say, unconstructive debate. Uh, so we ourselves are just trying to promote some sort of dialogue in this question to avoid becoming part, partisan in the polarization that's taking place. <laughs> In other African news, this Thursday, Zambians started voting in presidential and parliamentary elections after a campaign made by violence between rival groups. Zambia has seen a wave of pre-election violence in recent weeks, with fighting erupting between opposition and government supporters. Police have also broken up opposition campaigning. According to the Zambian Elections Information Center, at least three people have been killed and many injured during campaigning. Dan Ashby reports. This election has been marred by violence and the last hours of campaigning were no exception. At the opposition rally, rival supporters clashed, then returned covered in blood. But the opposition is capitalizing on a slumping economy and a crash in copper prices, and they believe they will take power. The governing patriotic front is defiant, claiming it has brought development to the people. Whoever wins will have to deal with a deficit, a bailout and rocketing inflation. The vote on Thursday is just the start. I'm Dan Ashby in Lusaka. Meanwhile, the UN is keeping a close eye to the political tensions surrounding elections in some African states. Permanent delegate of the Dominican Order to the United Nations, Father Mike Deeb, OP, explains. We have a big challenge of democracy everywhere and and for us to be able to address this um, is not going to be an easy task. So uh, we have to find ways to get people from the ground up to be um, promoting forms of democracy so that people are empowered at a local level more and more. And hopefully the more we do that, the more people will begin to see the possibility of, of developing a real democracy that is not tied only to ethnic or tribal interests um, becoming a reality. But I think we are far away from that. I'd just like to conclude by saying, please, we must uh, help people in South Africa to understand also what the South African government is, is doing in the UN context. They often take very positive positions, but but often the positions are very dubious, you know. So, for example, just in the last session, they voted against uh, a resolution uh, to uh, protect human rights defenders. <laughs> and uh, this was totally unacceptable. And I think that uh, for a country like ours, we need to be aware of what our government's doing in that context and to be calling them to account for it so that the positive things we do don't uh, get uh, totally um, uh, counted by many of these new interests that are are developing, even from South Africa, and that would uh, go against the core values that we espouse in our constitution and the freedom that we have won, we fought for and won. So I hope that uh, South Africans will become more and more aware of of what gain on the UN and what the role South Africa is playing there, the fact that whereas South Africa held a high moral ground soon after 94, but unfortunately now more and more people are doubting the role South Africa is playing there. Um, 
So we need to be strengthening South Africa's position by holding our government to account for the things that they are doing in the UN context. So I would urge all and more people to keep an eye on that and to see its relationship to the current political evolution in South Africa as well. Nigerian Minister of Foreign Affairs Jeffrey Onyema has hinted that African travelers may no longer be required to obtain visas to enter the country from next year. Onyema said the visa-free idea was in line with the African Union, which this year announced plan for a single passport and a visa-free travel for all African citizens within the continent by 2020. Presently, Nigerians don't require visas to travel within the economic community of West African states, but still encounter tough visa conditions imposed by other African countries in other regions. UN humanitarian coordinator Stephen O'Brien told journalists on Wednesday that areas of South Sudan that were beacons of hope just a year ago are now mired in conflict or facing severe food insecurity. South Sudan became independent five years ago, making it the world's youngest nation. However, many of those years have been marred by fighting between forces loyal to the president and his former deputy, forcing more than 2 million people to flee their homes, Dian Pen reports. Mr. O'Brien saw firsthand how the worsening humanitarian situation in South Sudan, as well as fighting that broke out in early July, have had an impact on civilians. He met displaced women in Wau who spoke of rape, killings and other abuses, while in a wheel he encountered a mother so malnourished she could not breastfeed her infant daughter. In July 2015, both of these locations were seen as beacons of hope and prospects for development. Today, one is mired in conflict and the other is facing the worst food insecurity it has seen in many, many years and is at real risk of getting worse despite the incredible work of humanitarian organizations. But wow and a wheel are just the tip of the iceberg. Mr. O'Brien stated that South Sudan's people have suffered far too much. He called on all warring parties to immediately silence the guns, end the culture of impunity, and allow civilians to live in peace. And allow civilians to live in peace. He also urged the international community to work to avert even more tragedy in South Sudan. And finally, a few months ago, Pope Francis received a gift that struck him, the life jacket of a six-year-old Syrian girl who drowned off the coast of Lesbos. The founder of Proactiva Open Arms, Oscar Camps, gave the life jacket to the Pope. Since September 2015, this NGO has been saving people who risk their lives escaping in the Mediterranean. International soccer star and ex-Barcelona player, Javi Hernandez has now joined this course. I give all my support to Proactiva Open Arms for the fantastic work they are doing. I send them all a big hug. The athlete wanted to contribute to their mission by donating his yacht, La Pelopina. Proactiva Open Arms operates thanks to donations by many people who are impressed by their work, such as Xavi Hernandez. I decided to donate the Pelopina to Proactiva Open Arms for their humanitarian work in the Mediterranean. The boat is registered on Bidaway, an online auction page. If you want to participate, enter bidaway.com and make your bid. I will personally express my gratitude to the winner of the auction. 
The yacht has a starting price of 35,000 euros and is available to bid on until September 15, 2016. The proceeds will go entirely to finance this NGO. Proactive Open Arms' humanitarian work began almost a year ago with small boats off the coast of Lesbos. Thanks to donations they received, they also started working with two jet skis. Since July 2016, they have been working with a medically equipped sailboat in the central Mediterranean to rescue people who embark on the dangerous route from Libya. And these have been your news from Africa and beyond. Have yourselves a very good evening. I am Mahadi Butelezi. My thanks goes there once again to Mahadi Butelezi for bringing us up to date with those headline news. With that said, time to move forward right here on Catholic View. We're taking a look at our woman feature. I'm Sheila Pirsch and thank you once again for being here with us. Women on the African continent are generally treated as second-class citizens. They do not enjoy the same positions as men. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you will threaten the man. Some men refuse to invest in the education of their daughters because they say they will soon get married. Because I am female, I am expected to aspire to marriage. I am expected to make my life choices, always keeping in mind that marriage is the most important. But why do we teach girls to aspire to marriage and we don't teach boys the same? We raise girls to see each other as competitors, not for jobs or for accomplishments, which I think can be a good thing, but for the attention of men. Feminist, a person who believes in the social, political and economic equality of the sexes. Women on the Forefront, a program dedicated to women who are making a difference. Welcome to our Women Feature. This evening, we bring you part two of my conversation with Notando Hadebe on the Diaconate of Women. We take a look at Supreme Divas and Sportswomen Rio 2016. After intense prayer and mature reflection, Pope Francis has decided to institute the Commission for the Security of the Diaconate of Women. As president of the Commission, Pope Francis has appointed Archbishop Louis Francisco Laderia Ferrer. The Commission is composed of six women and six men from academic institutions around the world. The members of Pope Francis' new commission to study whether women might serve as deacons in the Catholic Church have expressed a wide range of views on the subject in the past, with some clearly supportive of the possibility, while others say there is no firm historical precedent to follow. Very few members of the commission comprising six men and women and led by Vatican Archbishop Louis Ladaria, have made public comments since their appointments were announced in a brief press release August 2nd. South African theologian Notando Hadebe spoke to me about the members of that commission. What is interesting about the panel is that it's made up of uh, theologians, those who support the ordination and those who don't. And, and so it's kind of like balanced in that way. But I think if they look at the historical evidence, it's there. 
and I think the sticking point, I was looking at, I was listening to the uh, interview that was given um, by the New York Times to, you know, the, one of the women, Phyllis, and she was saying one of the issues would be the sacrament, the sacramental nature of, of you know, or the ordination of women, uh, because, um, you know, if it's sacramental, uh, the sacramental ordination refers to priests and bishops. And so if women have the sacramental ordination, then I think many people are afraid that that will open the way to priesthood. And they're afraid that because um, that door has been shut and there's a whole theological, a huge theological uh, sort of like rationale around there. So, so this uh, committee will really have to go uh, into the theological um, you know, avenue to be able to address those theological concerns. But I think um, I'm, I'm hopeful that this will be the first step towards opening the door for women's equal participation in the church. Should the outcome of the study be positive, exactly who can qualify to be a female deacon? Notando Hedebe explains. Um, I think it, it, it will probably follow the same um, you know, a process that male deacons, you know, the male married deacons uh, have. Um, so they, I think there'll be a kind of the same. I think that the starting point would be those that have the calling, uh, just as priesthood is about people that have a calling, that really feel that the spirit, uh, that they have the gifts or the charisma for, for this, um, you know, ministry. So it's, 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 we, that's where we have to come back to, that we are talking about issues of calling, issues of dedication of lives, issues where people feel like, this is my calling, this is what I want to dedicate my life to, but I've not had the opportunity to do so because I'm a woman. And so and, and so, there'll probably be the same kind of procedure uh, as that for men of a priest where the person will have to go for training and, you know, to be able to, to fulfill their duties. But the first step is a calling, is, is that inner movement within you where you feel, you know, I want to dedicate my life uh, to the church, but not as a, a sister, not as a, um, you know, but as a deacon. I'm, ma- I'm a married woman, that, and I would like to do that. So it's, it's, it, there are people that have this calling. August is the month to celebrate and highlight dynamic women, and this will be done in spectacular fashion on the Mandela stage at Joburg Theatre with Supreme Divas. The show will run from Thursday 11 August to Sunday 14 August for four performances only. Executive producer for Joburg City Theatres, Claire Pacares, believes that South Africa is doing quite well in empowering women, and Supreme Divas is an ideal way to honour legendary women in song. I do believe, you know, I think it's it's something that in South Africa it's building. You know, there's definitely a lot of women out there that are hardworking, focused, determined, and I I see a lot of my former colleagues that I've worked, whether it's in media industry or corporates, they've become CEOs. And that for me is so inspiring because I see that people are allowing females to become, to have the power. I mean, even now in America with Hillary Clinton, I just heard on the news um, coming in. Yeah. It's incredible. She's got the opportunity to possibly become the first female American True. president. True. So I do believe, you know, I think as women, we know even though um, it's a lot different than what it was probably 10, 20 years ago. But I always find, you know, women, 
if you look at top management positions, men are, are always more dominated. Mm. dominated. But now I, I see ladies are definitely growing and they're busy climbing up the corporate ladder. Mm. And a lot of them have families, so they do do it. Um, so it's definitely not impossible. And we try to at the theatre, you know, we yeah. really want to try and empower women. And there's a lot of females. On our exco, I think we're more females than males. Interesting, beautiful stuff. Now, speaking of more females, let's talk about <laughs> Supreme Divas. This is a yes. beautiful show. Talk to us about this. Okay, so we wanted to celebrate Women's Day. And um, what we've realized our patrons love is music. Yeah. So what better way than to incorporate some of the older divas as well as the newer divas. Mm -hmm. So we've got South African singers. Um, but the, the older divas that they will be singing, and it's not a tribute show, so it's basically a celebration of women and songs. So we'll be looking um, at songs from Barbara Streisand, Beth Midler, Aretha Franklin, Shaka Khan, Donna Summer, and many others. Yeah. So those are the old school divas. Then the new school divas will include Mariah Carey, Beyonce, Adele, and Christina Aguilera. Uh -huh. And of course, we can't forget our South African divas. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah. So we'll um, we'll be performing music to Brenda Fassi, Yvonne Shaka Shaka, Maria Makeba, as well as quite a few more. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And of course, you're using local um, artists for this. That's right. So we've got five gorgeous singers: um, Tia Herman, Lelo Ramasamong, mm. Eliska Kutsia, Tracy Lee Oliver, and then we've got a youngster called Marianthi. Panis. Mm. So she was the runner up to South Africa's Got Talent. Okay. So it's Lovely. a young lady. She's only 16, and this yeah. is going to be her first theatre debut. Beautiful, empowering young girls as well. Yes. I like that. I like that. But what was the selection like? I mean, I know that in South Africa we have lots of talents when it comes to singing, performing, yes. you name it. There's just so many talents. What was the selection like for you to come down to this selected few? So what we decided to do is we um, worked very closely with the musical director. Yeah. So we got a gentleman called Llewellyn George, yeah. and he's working on The Voice. Um, currently, I think there's The Voice Nigeria. Area, and there's so many other productions he's worked on. So he say, he gave us some ideas and selections, and we went for those. And we also chose not too many musical theater performers. Mm -hmm. Tracy Lee Oliver and Eliska are the two that have done a musical theater before, and the others haven't. So we wanted a nice mixture yeah. so that we can also attract different audiences. Nice. Nice, nice stuff. I mean, it's great giving others opportunities as yes. well. Yes. Hey? And also, I'll say that um, the, the songs will be performed with a live band, a nine-piece live band, Ooh. which we're very excited about. Now, that's a lot of hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Tia Herman is one of the vocalists. I um, have a huge admiration and a deep, deep love for our female musicians, whether it's international or local. Um, as a singer myself, I know the struggle and I know how hard it is and, and how difficult it is to make your mark in the industry. Mm. Um, Supreme Divas is literally a mix of all facets of music, all genres of music. Mm -hmm. um, we have I wouldn't say old school versus new school, but we the first act of the show is, are your old school divas, yeah. um, Aretha Franklin, Diana Ross, Randy Crawford, uh, Shaka Khan, uh, Bette Midler, 
Barbara Streisand, Donna Summer. So we have a really eclectic, uh, Edda James, we yeah. have an eclectic group of, of female divas from the old days or, or from, from the past. And then, of course, we have our new school divas, our current divas, our mm. Beyonce's, our Adele's. Um, we have uh, Christina Aguilera, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Those are all the artists or some of the artists in the show. Uh -huh. I personally am uh, singing, I'm, I'm going to be tributing Diana Ross, for old school and Mariah okay. Carey for new school. That would be interesting. <laughs> Very much so, yes. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. What a contrast though, hey? Yes. I mean, if you look at Diana Ross and Mariah Carey, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about in terms of the vocals. Yes. And yes. Uh, the, the type of music as well. Absolutely. <laughs> interesting. You have a lot of work there, hey? I do. I have my work cut out for me. <laughs> <laughs> When the modern Olympics were first held more than a century ago, 997 athletes competed with only 22 women. Fast forward to this year's Games in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where nearly half of those vying for medals are women. The Olympic motto is faster, higher, stronger. And the UN entity working towards gender equality, UN Women, has joined with the International Olympic Committee to encourage girls to stick with sports as they grow up. UN Women Executive Director Pumzilim Lambon Munga is in Rio. We have a program with the IOC to encourage girls to stay in sports. It is being offered in schools around Rio, hopefully to take it throughout Brazil and beyond, because uh, at puberty, 45% of girls drop out of sports, which is six times more than the boys. They become self-conscious, and, uh, and there isn't always as much encouragement uh, for girls to stay in sports, and brilliant sporting girls and future sporting women lose out as a result. So the program is about uh, trying to engage them. It involves emphasis on girls and leadership and uh, being assertive. It involves knowledge about reproductive rights and reproductive health so that they feel comfortable about their body and they appreciate why sports is good for their body. It also includes ending violence against women so that uh, they are also very much uh, strong and are able to stand up for themselves and for other girls. It also involves uh, financial literacy so that they understand also uh, how to manage themselves economically. But if they become sports women, they must also fight for equal pay and they must know how to manage themselves as uh, participants in sports because it does involve a bit of understanding the business of sports as well. UN Women is about uh, six years old, I, I believe. Were you also at the London Olympics? This is our first time because this partnership is new. We're hoping that in every Olympic we will work with IOC to do some legacy projects which will involve girls in sport in whatever country that the Olympics are in. Also, I carry the torch on Friday into Rio that again is also in honor of women of the world. Are there any other events that you're organizing or taking part in? 
we are also supporting protection and prevention of violence against women in the Olympic Village, which sometimes is a problem. So yesterday we also went to pay a courtesy to the mayor of the Olympic Village, who fortunately is a woman, including meeting the uh, leader within IOC who is responsible for addressing all issues of prevention of any gender-based violence, with also mechanisms set up to ensure that uh, if there's any uh, reason or complaint, the IOC has got mechanisms to address it. And finally, the Games are about athletic excellence. Are there any sports in particular you are interested in seeing? Well, yes, uh, I have been to football already, uh, where Brazil uh, played very well and uh, won against China. Uh, I'm going to be watching basketball and rowing, but I'm not staying uh, for the full time, so I won't be able to see much more. But uh, the little that I've seen, I'm, I'm really am excited about just how good the women are performing. We also have Team Refugee in these Olympics, and that is really heartwarming as well. Is there anything further you think our listeners should know about the value of sports for women and girls? I, mean, I would like listeners in every country to really do everything that they can to encourage women to take part um, in sports, not just to become champions, but also to enjoy sports. It is one of the important ways to also teach girls to make time for themselves so that even as they grow up as, as women and they become moms, they are able to spend time doing things for other people, but also that they treasure doing things for themselves and and enjoying themselves. It really is important. And I'd like everybody, wherever they are, to always encourage girls to take up sports. And this has been our woman feature right here on Catholic View. Thank you so much for listening. Should you wish to contribute to this program, feel free to email me, Shayla at radioveritas.co.ca. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time. No, there was something that and something that I left behind when I leave this world. I'll leave no regrets, leave something to remember, so they won't forget I was here. I lived, I loved, I was here. I did, I've done everything. You've been listening to your Thursday's edition of Catholic View on Radio Veritas, a program produced and presented by Sheila Birch for Radio Veritas. Until tomorrow, at the same time, God bless you and ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sheila Birch. <laughs>